And we are live for the First Strike Podcast. This is your host, KYT. But before we start the show, the play our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic is Gathering singles. This week, we're not, we're not promoting Magic. We are 15% off Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon cards. So for those of you who have that as your second card game, definitely go check that out. Today's show, we got Elliot. We got Andy's not here. Andy's uh, in, in Richmond already. So uh, maybe he has time to, to FaceTime. John will, might be joining us a bit later. But we've got two special guests with us. Number one, we've got the return of uh, who 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 is in here, Elliot? You introduce him. Introduce. <laughs> well, I mean, I heard about this guy. Like, I don't know. I had to ask Bosu about him because he's out from out west. There, apparently, it's the Brett Steele. Like, the, there's only one Brett Steele, and he's here. <laughs> yeah, except for the that other one that lives in Calgary. We don't talk about him. <laughs> Welcome back. To the show, Brett. Uh, funny, funny story that uh, you were talking to us, Andy and John, and uh, it, I think it took after you were gone for Andy and John to realize who you were, which is kind of hilarious because Elliot knew the whole time and just like assumed, I guess assumed Andy and John knew. I mean, I figured once I got on the first strike podcast that everybody <laughs> would know who I was. So how how did I had to introduce myself to them? I don't know. <laughs> They 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 skipped that episode. It was funny. All of them skipped the episode. It was like me, you, and Shaheen, from what I remember. Which yeah, yeah, it was. it was. It was actually very much not what I was expecting because of that. <laughs> but it was fun. And Chantel, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. You were supporting us from the beginning. From uh, I mean, one of the very first episodes, one of the first editions of First Strike with Robert Lombardi, probably Brian Gottlieb, and probably Doug Potter, and Derek. Well, no, Derek was like second. Second gen, so welcome yeah, back. I don't think, I think it's just you that is a, <laughs> a consistent cast member from my first appearance episode, like 13 or something. <laughs> yeah. I try, I try, I try to still churn out that content. So for the show, well, the big news is Brett ended up taking down PTQ, so he qualifies for the Players Tour, and both of you played in the same tournament. Um, Chantal, you, you put up a top eight finish, I believe you said? Yeah, yeah, we uh, unfortunately got knocked out in the quarterfinals, but I didn't want to face Brett in the finals anyway, <laughs> so it's all right. So have you been, so he said he's been playing these WPN things. Have you been doing that? And how are they working in the local uh, level in where you are? Because I, I was talking to Elliot how, you know, FaZe does it differently. Wizards Tower in Ottawa does it differently. We do like a four prelim, eight person from each to a 32 final. What was yours like? Yeah, uh, we have a store here in Edmonton doing one and then the one in Calgary, which is what Brett won. The store in Edmonton is doing the same format as you, uh, four preliminaries, top eight of each to a 32. And then the one in Calgary just did two preliminaries and then did top eight of each and then top 16 overall that uh, didn't top eight. Cute as well. Um, they've all been not... I not as well attended as I think they were hoping for initially. Uh, so the PTQ that we played last weekend was only, I think, 28 players. Yeah, that sounds all right. So they took the 16 people that qualified and then another 16 from the same two tournaments? So yeah. The, the hidden message is they had 28 <laughs> unique players across these two tournaments. <laughs> So, so you just have to play. I, uh, you just have to play in them to qualify. You, you just had to show up, <laughs> Elliot. They just have to show. Up. You have to play too. 
Yeah, it took me two tries. <laughs> I think there was 35 people for the first one, and then the one I I won at had 30. Yeah, I yeah. think is I think that's right. And then the most recent one had 25. So it's for some reason it's not going down by eight. Every week, there's like three people who decide to jump into standard for the first time, I guess. <laughs> They're like, we heard there will only be eight people <laughs> that show up. Um, I think I think this Saturday, there's going to be like a very uh, low low showing. But uh, okay, let's get down to, to, to the decks. Chantal, what, what did you end up playing? Uh, I went with the Old Faithful of Standard, some Sultai food. Ooh. Uh, just pretty classic list. Uh, in preparation, we anticipated that there wouldn't be as much Oko as you would expect at a higher level tournament just due to card availability. So not running the full four Noxious Grass, which I feel like is correct in that meta, but generally pretty stock. I think that's very, I, we're seeing that a lot. We talked about this last episode, Elliot and Elliot's metagame where he felt like he expected more of the best deck, but uh, he didn't say any. So how, like, did you end up seeing much in the actual tournament? Um, I played against it once, and uh, I think there were three or four people on Sultai Food overall out of the 28 or 26 people. And did you, uh, and you played some of them? Yeah, I ended up, I friend fought another, <laughs> another first strike guest, uh, Jen Krotz, and uh, she had the better draws and just demolished me in the Swiss. And but then you end up rallying, making top eight, and so how how was the deck overall? Like nothing new. Like it seems like even now the face face games Facebook page is making like these Oko memes. Like everyone's making these these jokes about it. So like if you were going to Richmond, would you play it? Stuff like that. Like yeah, I think it's <laughs> the best deck, and I think if you are worried about your play skill in a facing other people that are playing it maybe it's not the best choice but if you feel comfortable in the mirror especially yeah i would be rocking it at richmond <laughs> all right brett brett you decided to take another path i think you were you were messing with this deck for for a while now so just tell us all about it yeah so in for no reason other than pure stubbornness i've been playing mardu knights for a while <laughs> i uh i didn't want to fully buy into the oko cards i just didn't have the motivation and i think at the last uh mythic championship chris kavartek had an interview which i thought was really interesting where he said basically sometimes it's just about having fun like you can't you you have to like be willing to play some other deck some amount of time and i was like i'm willing to just jam this knight's deck instead of joining the the legion of food decks that are, are going to be at these tournaments were you jamming it before like before it showed up at uh, Arena Mythic Championship, where I mean, there, there uh, was some some type of hype on it. I was playing some like white red knights lists and trying all manner of horrible ways of flipping the food matchup. Uh, I've I now own multiple copies of Divine Visitation. If anybody knows what that one is, uh, Divine Visitation, some Sky Knight Vanguards. Uh, the outlaws merriment like i i tried but then the the list from the mythic championship came out and these people just added black cards to their deck and it turns out those were a lot better than all the other things i was trying and so i kind of jumped on board from there sweet like uh was it the was it ken yukihiro 
Uh, Ken Yukihiro, like, so I, I, I actually tested both the, the Ben Stark Ephra list and the Ken Yukihiro list, which were, they're surprisingly different. It's basically like, do you want 16 one drops or do you not want 16 one drops? Uh, the Ken Yukihiro list ended up being a lot better, particularly after Golos was banned. And then from that, I just sort of kept tabs on things. So I would say the final list I ended up playing was actually pretty inspired by uh, a mythic championship qualifier weekend list by somebody named Yamaki, who I think came like 17th or 18th on breakers. They, they just missed playing Mardu Knights in that mythic championship qualifier weekend. Okay. Uh, where they just fully embrace the fact that uh, you can have decks with atrocious mana because of how good the London Mulligan is. And they're playing like 21 lands, you know, like 16 creatures that you can't cast with tournament grounds. Like there's just like half knights, half not knights, because we ran out of good cards that happen to be knights. And uh, after testing a little bit with that list, I played sort of a a personalized hybrid which i felt was strongest for what i expected what did you expect did you expect food or did you expect the same thing about the scarcity of cards that there might not be as much food as, as people would expect at the local level so based on the qualifiers we actually had over here uh it feels felt like uh you needed to have a bit more of a general deck like i would expect the top two decks to by far be food and fires and that's been consistent both in edmonton and calgary however food and fires it's like maybe 15 percent of the metagame another 15 percent of the metagame and then 70 percent is anything like we had a person top eight playing green red arc light phoenix this guy was turn one phoenixing people it was horrific i've like some people can't beat that which is pretty reasonable but uh you could play anything in these tournaments so overall, do you feel like did you did this version, latest version, turn like you, you said you've been trying to turn that food matchup around? So where is it at now with like your latest uh, iteration? So there, there's a there's this is where things diverge a little bit. Um, so the, in this tournament that we played, you know, as these rounds went on, the food decks certainly settled at the top. I think I played food like four or five times actually, just to, and. It's if your opponent hasn't played the matchup before, you crush them. They have no, like, if they if, if my opponent has to read every night I cast, we're we're golden. If if we've played a ten match set, I am not feeling confident. And so it was just you know I felt like I came into this event, I sucker punched five people who who didn't know what I was doing, and you know what, I only needed to win one tournament, so who cares? You know we did it. Sweet. Um... Elliot, that would would you say that's like a perfect tournament to bring? Let's say at the local, like the last phase qualifier. Then I think I'm not sure most people would know all about Mario Knights. What do you mean? Of course they're going to know about it because they're going to be listening to this and hearing Brett <laughs> yeah. preach about it. Yeah, uh, just, add it to their testing gauntlet. You're done. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, in all honesty, if you're if you're looking to spike a random tournament, that's one of those high variance decks that has a chance to do it. Like I know that we've talked about in the past when we've been advocating for John to play Neoform for some reason, because there was, for some reason, there was a period of time where you needed convincing, uh, and part <laughs> of it was that uh, when you play a high variance deck like that, you're expanding your percentage to have a big spike like that, and at the same time expanding your range to have a bomb out. So if you're if you're playing a tournament like 
these WPNQ qualifiers, the preliminaries, where let's say you're playing at face this weekend and you need, if you, you need, if you win three matches in a row, you've locked top eight, you know, that's the type of deck that can do it. But if you needed to play win, I don't know, 12 matches out of 15, maybe it's not for you. That's, that's my take at least. <laughs> so Brett, there's no, there's no reason anyone should just like pick your brain or take your deck to Richmond. You're saying there's not, you know, uh, if you wanted to play a red black aggressive deck right now, there these red black sacrifice decks actually have legs, and that would be my like not food deck of choice. I think somebody won a grand won a PTQ in Leon with it. I think someone top eight in Leon with it as well. So it is it that deck is quite real. Um, the the flip side, and this is like a point to add on to Elias, is that Martyr Knights isn't actually that inconsistent. But all of my a bunch of my creatures are just combat tricks, and if you know what combat tricks I'm playing, then you can block, block properly. And if you don't know what combat tricks I'm playing, it gets real dicey. <laughs> um, so would this qualifies you for the first one uh, next year, I think? Man, I keep, keep mixing things up. Yeah, effectively, it's like in February, it is the... Uh, players tour in Phoenix, unless I wanted to fly to a different regional one, but it's for me, it's Phoenix. Okay. Any any odds you're flying to a different one? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like it's so much cheaper, so much easier. I can visit like some family and stuff out there. It just makes way more sense for me personally to go down there. The only thing I've been struggling with is I think that they haven't announced the format for these yet, or it's one of those ones where maybe they've reserved the right to announce it a month ahead of or some time or something. So I've been struggling to find some details in that sense, but I'm uh, pretty excited to go back. Okay, Ch Chantal, what's next for you for, for grinding? What's the next tournament that can allow you to, to queue for the same tournament? Well, we're going to keep rocking that food because we have another uh, WN qualifier uh, here in Edmonton. So more food in my future, at least until it gets banned maybe. And then I think after that, there might be a, is it a face-to-face -face open plus in Calgary that awards a player's tour invite? <laughs> so maybe some modern. I hate, I hate being on a spot and like forgetting the, the schedule that I put together with the crew. It's like, <laughs> is there, is there an open plus? Oh, that's, I, I've been having like one, one comment on the WPN thing. I found, I found it small complaint that I found it hard to, market market it. it was a like, challenge even though like people did show up it's like people like people in the know or who are behind the scenes like me we we deal with being the wpn store i'm not even sure the the casual know what that is like a pro tour qualifier that just means something way more than a wpn preliminary like what what is that really and i'm not really sure people actually do know that I feel like it was a uniquely challenging time as well, where standard is very unappealing to a lot of people because of the amount of Oko decks and the expectation that things would get banned coming off of that field of the dead ban. You're just in this really tight spot where only the grindiest of the grinders are the ones who want to make it out to your events. Yeah. And, and even now for, for standard, we're for this this month, Face to Face Games Montreal is doing free Pioneer on Thursdays. And that day used to be a standard day, but it's it's been the worst constructive format in terms of attendance. So we're swapping it for, for Pioneer to see what happens. 
and it's kind of weird to, to shift what when I was growing up playing or in the competitive scene, the premier format is now on the wayside uh, at the at the casual weekday level. So um, that I don't know. I need I really for for the market I really needed to hammer in the fact that I needed to make like a chart that disqualifies you for the for the player store, and and even for for the open plus. That's what I got to hammer that if you win, and I, I can say it now, if you win one of these open pluses, you get. Qual- a qualification to the players tour and you can join Brett Steele if you choose to fly to Phoenix for, for that one and uh, you, go ahead I was going to say I do think to the convolutedness of the programs at this point where you have this one system with a bunch of ways to qualify feeding into this paper system and this other system with a bunch of, way to, of ways to qualify feeding into this arena system and then they feed into each other at some point and there's just not a lot of clarity around how to get where you want to go. I I 100% agree. Um, even even us, we're still in the planning stages for the F2F tour or series for for next year, and of course, like these won't be like won't likely be. I don't think I'm spoiling anything. These likely won't be the first open pluses or, or the last open pluses I mean that we'll ever do and, and we'll have some next year and just this the challenge of maybe having like qualifiers for this and that um it begins to even even for us like to be start to feel convoluted like why even now it's like what's an open what's an open plus and and stuff like that and, and this system like you said all these different paths and then you have like the fractional invites that can also qualify you for for the players tour so that that's interesting um I think it's good for people like us who are in the know, who know all the paths, but I think it is a challenge for me to tell like someone that, you know, wants to achieve like something or, or just started to be a tournament player. It's like, you could do A, B, C, D, or, or E to get your name out there. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with, how, with the, the convolution. So for, for any other formats, have you been playing them like modern? Or are you prepping or anything like that? Um, I haven't been keeping my finger on the pulse as much as I should be probably, but I know modern is still a big Emery Urza format combo delicious, just the way I like it. Uh, so that'll probably be my focus after these standard events. Brett, what about you? Is it just, has it just been straight standard testing or you, you brewing? I had been trying so hard to grind pioneers so I could play these Friday PTQs. And now I've been banned from them. So I have to, I'm, I think I'm going to start grinding modern, prepare for this face-to-face open plus. I don't know if I'm allowed to qualify twice. Like if I'm allowed to try to like win and hoard all of the local invites for myself. But if I can, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> speaking of, okay, let's get, speaking of which, let's get your reaction. Were you brewing Pioneer? Like what was your reaction to the, to the Monday ban list? Uh, the, the mono green stuff was not surprising. I think it was that, that deck very, very quickly congealed was the best deck of the format. The, uh, Felidar guardian was actually a little bit more surprising to me, but kind of understandable. Uh, the card I think that's most on the radar or the most interesting. I was surprised to see that dig through time stayed, not because I think the card is broken, but I think that specifically the Nexus decks might break it. Um, Everything else is like the Wild West, man. It's it's great. Right. Welcome welcome to the show, my man, who I like to call the Gog. 
Final Nub, what's up? <laughs> Who's been putting in work in all the formats that even Andy, Ellie, and I just can't even keep up with. You, you've hit gold to cat level of galaxy brain to us in, in the Facebook chat with your hard work in all different formats. How's it going, John? All right. Thanks for having me. Great to see you, Brett and Chantel. So, Jai, what was your your first reaction to, to the ban? How hard were you working prior to that? It, it was on and off, really, because like I, I thought that the tier one was kind of like established already. I think it was becoming clear and clear, especially especially if you are looking at the Twitter uh, Twitter hive mind and what they're saying. Um, Pioneer DL, um, which is a subsidiary of the Arena Dequist, uh Twitter, does a fantastic job um, aggregating uh, cool Arena, sorry, uh, Pioneer Decklists, and people love like getting getting those like retweeted. So it's, it's it's very symbiotic. But anyways, like it it was becoming more and more clear that uh, Model Green Devotion was going to be uh, um, pretty much breaking the rules engagement in Pioneer or the perceived one, and that as well as Copycat, I thought were the most likely to go. Um, I actually think that the copycat combo in a vacuum is fine, power level-wise, but the supporting friends like Oko and Teferi were pretty obnoxious. And I was surprised by the ult uh, ban, um, but I think it re- makes really sense. It, it does has it warps the format in a way that Astrolabes and Renum 6 has done in Legacy and Modern, where there's no restriction on color anymore. So every good stuff deck becomes like four or five color abomination deck. And with ult of uh, Nissa, it increases your um, consistency and lets you play many colors of Planeswalkers. And it was going to homogenize a lot of the green mid-range decks as well. So I'm actually in the support of all three uh, bands. I like the ult band. I think it was really good work by our um, play design or R&D, I believe. And uh, Leyline, I think, was the right hit over Nikos because I think people were underestimating the uh, free, uh, free two devotions on turn zero. That, in addition to Burning Tree Emissary, were the were the culprits for some busted uh, screenshots. Um, I've I cast like many uh, uh, turn three Ulamogs or turn three like five five um, walking ballistas, which modern Tron can't even do. So that's how busted <laughs> a sort of uh, start was. And so yeah, I think the deck was pretty good. Um, and Copycat, I'm not surprised. I was hoping that um, they can ban like a Teferi or an Oko. I think it's more of a planeswalker problem than a combo problem, but I don't I don't blame him. So it's an exciting it's been an exciting first two weeks for Pioneer for sure, and I'm pretty sure it'll keep changing. So so you're you're pretty impressed with, with the way they've carried out the, these bands, like that they have like I guess Pioneer is popular enough on, on Moto for them to have enough data for, for them to, to act upon it. Yeah, it was interesting. For those who haven't seen it, Aaron Forsyth actually gave us a very rare glimpse of the actual data supported their ban. Aaron Forsyth said uh, Monogreen Devotion over the weekend trophied 40 times, which is four times the next uh, highest trophy count, I believe, uh, except for Copycat, which trophied 16 times. And generally speaking, the um, the Moto, um, the Moto uh, win rates are pretty high. So I don't envy the job that they have. Um, like Pioneer, I think, has been a lot more popular than they thought um <laughs> highlighted by like nrg picking up the pioneer event like one week after the inception of the tournament uh the format and scg uh, picking it up over standard in the invitational but uh i think they're doing a pretty good job here um they have some really smart people walk, working there and they have a lot of data 
and you know for i i just really like that they're taking a lot more feedback than uh, they used to so uh, hopefully it, ke- it keeps going and uh, we can have a pretty good form um well, where's your head at now at post ban and like are you going to grind like like brett mentioned that like the friday ptqs well that might be one of your best shots to, to get in well unfortunately i'm a working man so um fr- friday ptqs are very tough for me um i i really want to grind them though um the first few weeks of a new formats like really exciting and it really rewards people who have like the critical thinking skills to like infer as much information as much correct information as possible from as little available information as possible which is what the new format's all about as well as being resourceful talking to like smart grinders smart people uh keeping keeping the pulse on the twitter hive mind and i don't think it's that hard to really figure out what the top tier deck decks are and i think i would have an edge in that but uh it's friday so say la vie <laughs> so yeah well have you have you picked up any have you played anything post band yep um so i was talking to tangram about this in for the first uh ptq last week i figured that with all the fair bs that people are doing with regards to like devotion and uh, next uh devotion and phoenix and hardened scales and bug which i believe were the top tier decks um i thought that nexus or a big mana deck was going to go over the top of everyone there's not there's no burn that's like really policing anyone right now like burn was quickly figured out to be uh not high enough power level for this format in my opinion so i actually said hey you know like let's let's go nexus list going here if i can get the day off i would play it lo and behold they did they did uh win they beat todd anderson on green devotion and nexus did win the uh ptq so because they banned some of the unfair stuff like green devotion for example which i which i believe still were a um, pretty good matchup for nexus i still think that big mana is where it's um where it pay, it'll pay to be so i'm, I'm working on uh, nexus blue green nexus just a combo version and i'm also working on this tron ramp deck where you can cast like turn four ulamogs and turn five emeralds which are done <laughs> so this is i love this deck top top eight list and all this, all this is, is like ramp, like Arboreal, uh, Arboreal Grazer, and this is Pilgrimage. Yeah, uh, Elvis Rejuvenator, uh, Golos, and then you just keep ramping and ramping, and then you just want to slam your fatties like one by one. Like four Ugins is really good. And uh, yeah, I've, I've done turn four Ulamogs, turn five uh, Emeralds. KYT, you knew I was never going to uh, play fair in any format, so you shouldn't be surprised I'm not trying to interact. But I think that deck is quite good, and I think Nexus is quite good. So, like, if I were playing this Friday, like, I would seriously give a look at um, the Nexus and the ramp list from the last PTQ's uh, deck list up. I think, um, yeah, a- Andy, Elliot, and I have to come up with a new nickname if you're not, like, abusing the graveyard anymore and you're just abusing ma- big mana and, and trying to cast oh, baddies. I-, I do believe that the Soul Flayer surprise list actually has potential in this format. Uh, so basically the idea is like you bin a lot of like uh, um, creatures with keywords like Samud and uh, Zapalta and stuff like that and then you delve it away with Soul Flare and Soul Flare will pick up all the keywords so you might have like a 4-4 double strike vigilance uh, lifelink flying trample whatever uh, Soul Flare I actually think that deck is quite good and there's not a lot of graveyard hate these days so I might give it a try sometime hmm right John John have you have you given up on your former love modern or are you still playing some some modern games here and there 
I mean, I, I, I not to sound cocky, <laughs> but I think I, I've reached like 95% efficiency with like Neoform and I don't have much more to learn in that regard. So I just want to like really like um, just try new things and expand my range a bit, you know, oh. hashtag uh, expand my range, uh, Mr. Uh, Hain and, uh, the, uh, <laughs> and the other guy and the other guy from table yeah, the two. other guy. Yes. No, we love you, KYT. But yeah, I'm trying to expand expand my range in uh, into other archetypes and uh, formats. I think it will help me grow as a magic player. And I'm, I have a uh, 10K, Team 10K in uh, Seattle to, uh, this weekend. And I'm, a, I'm the modern seat. And I'm actually considering playing uh, Eldrazi Tron, which I believe is to be the best deck in the format right now. So I've been uh, testing that as well. Um, but obviously, like, the shiny new object that is Pioneer has, like, gotten my attention as well as everyone else's attention, right? I'm sure it'll normalize like uh, in due time, but um, Pioneer has been very, very exciting for me. Man, Elliot, every time I listen to John, it's like, how could, how could he not? <laughs> how could a, a super team not want this guy on their team? <laughs> it's not, it's not blind. It's not, it's not just. I'm not just saying that, John. I mean it. Um, Elliot, what, what about you? Have you, have you been messing around with, with Pioneer or, or Modern besides like grinding, grinding standard? Uh, I haven't been playing Pioneer, but I have been like paying attention to my friends playing it a lot, and I w I would just like echo pretty much everything John said. Actually, like I think the Oath was a really smart ban because one of the potential decks that could have cropped up was the Kethis combo, which was sort of like the tier below the cat combo of it gets to abuse these powerful planeswalkers uh, in Oko and Teferi and have a combo finish, but it was just like wasn't quite as good. Uh, so Oath like really hurts that deck. Uh, so I think that was like a really smart ban on their part. And I, if I had a Pioneer tournament to play this weekend, whether it's the PTQ on Friday, I would just play Ramp. Or sorry, uh, the the Fog deck. Nexus Fate's just like super busted. I've seen screenshots of like turn five casting two dig through times and then like on their opponent's turn and then you untap. And like, how do you not win with that deck after casting two dig through times? So it it it's one of those decks that's just going to be attacking the format from another angle i think outside of ugin or ulamog exiling wilderness reclamation or maybe some lands you don't really care about um some of the interaction that people are playing like assassins trophies being replaced by like abrupt decay and fatal push now that people have access to that again they're getting nostalgic for those removal spells so i i think it's really a good option to be playing hmm all right, back back to you, Brett. On on last last episode when we had you, you talked about prep, MTG fitness, and and um, doing specific things to, to motivate you to like. I think we mentioned just standing up and and just doing the dishes, having that time to um, sort like for me, even doing yeah. the dishes is like meditating sometimes. But uh, for this tournament, uh, since that last episode, have you continued on on this MTG fitness train and preps uh, stuff like that? Yeah, and it's is a big part of I think my success in general. Like uh, Chantel can attest to this, but one of the things that came up in this Calgary tournament is we get into the top eight, and all these various food players or people that have you know come in and they're just like not used to playing seven or eight rounds of Magic a day. They just burned out in the top eight, and you know you get to start taking advantage of mistakes that are a little bit uncharacteristic from people that you know you just didn't train necessarily in the, the right way to get there. I will uh, say, I think uh, Brett doesn't want to admit that the secret to his success was 80s jams. 
<laughs> I mean, the, the secret to everyone's success is 80s jams. Because I, I, any road trip I'm a part of, I bring a fresh new motivational playlist. But you can only listen to it in like the last half hour because otherwise, I don't know if our driver will be safe. <laughs> because like I, it, you know, I assume once push it to the limit from Scarface goes on, we're going 30 over. Like that's how it goes. That's the rules. I don't make them. But uh, literally push it to the limit. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, it's just about getting into the right mental state. Like I definitely spent, you know, the for half hour, hour before this tournament kind of falling into my own mind like not not really talking to people too much just trying to like get in the right the right uh headspace and that kind of stuff matters a lot and i think people a lot of people like complain about certain results or they're like i maybe i'm not good at this but they'll continue practicing or trying to develop themselves in the same way every time whereas it's all about trying new approaches and figuring out what works or trying to find new weaknesses and new ways of correcting that like there's i think there's if you aren't seeing the success that you think you should be seeing and you're still preparing in the same way, then I think you're making a horrible mistake. Mm. Chantal, how was your prep and, and how, I don't even know. I haven't talked to you about like how busy your life is versus like how much you could devote to the competitive scene. I, yeah. I haven't talked to you about all that stuff in a while. So I don't know where your head is at compared to like Brett, who's like got, got seemingly got all this down. Yeah, no, it's funny. We were actually talking about it on the drive back where, because I was playing this very go to time, very mid range, heavy deck, got an unintentional draw in the Swiss. Uh, I did feel like you're by the time you reach that top eight, you're exhausted. And I did make some mistakes playing a hour and a half long quarterfinals against dance in the manse that, ended up costing me the match and it's hard especially for someone with a more aggressive more combo heavy background to be able to flex those skills and work on that longevity as a skill set especially when these eight ten hour tournaments only come along once every month or couple weekends it's really hard to have that practice for those long days and really build up your endurance (laughs) I think for me, it's just going to be about, well, one, time management and trying to find the time to spend an evening jamming those games. But it is a little harder when you're a content creator, as I'm sure you know, KYT. Where you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, today is a podcast and then tomorrow we're editing and then I need to write an article and oh, I need to stream some time in there. And then, yeah, we'll we'll practice for some standard yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely feel any... any... I haven't been in the grind. It's just like a lot of things take more time than, than people think it does. Like even just thinking up the perfect social media posts and having even because I don't want to get into it, but just like because on my mind right now, even just posting it on different platforms can be difficult. You can you can use these automated things to to post the same message to different platforms. But I've learned over time that if you have the time, it's more efficient to for, format your post specifically for that platform so people can enjoy it the most and and, and have an increased chance of following you. So definitely feel you on that. Um, oh, yeah, this is what I want to talk about. The So we get this all the time. Every time there's either an arena championship or a mythic championship, what have you, these people love – it's like become a meme <laughs> to John's favorite word that everyone has to tweet like, hey – 
there's a pro tour this week or like there's a mythic chat no one told me what's going on and uh do you feel that chat have you felt like there's less hype than before i thought the their their video their hype videos that they've been doing have been fine reminds me of some of the esports type hype videos trailers that that other companies have done and um i've i think they're the the music that they've chosen for it uh for each one over the last few has has come stuck in my head right now and i don't know i'm i'm don't think i actually don't think things have changed that much for for people to be like there's a pro tour uh but what is your take uh, i think with you and i we are people that are <laughs> very online tm <laughs> the ones that are like you know always checking twitter or up to date or keeping our fingers on the pulse it is we're like yeah of course there's a pt this weekend or we have friends attending but i think that does go back to that convolutedness that we talked about where it's like right is it a pt or is it an mc didn't we just have an mc oh that was an arena mc and this is a paper one well what's the difference mm -hmm. like right the the mishmash of information and there being no real way for you to like get that snapshot to tell you because if you try to go to wizards websites they do a lot of things right but websites are not particularly one of them it's kind of hard to find that information that you're looking for i do think that their videos are very well done they're doing a really great job promoting like i loved the call a pro segment from the arena <laughs> oh, MC. Yeah. that was so silly <laughs> yeah i think they're doing a really good job in what they're doing i think it just can get lost in the amount of items that they're putting out good point good point um i just think that like you're right you're definitely right it's just some some people that complain i feel like are people that like never really cared anyways like they it's not like they knew when the pro tour ever was beforehand that like they had someone else tell them or um it's like it's I don't know. But Brett, are you more or less hype? I mean, obviously you're still strongly grinding to try to get to the players tour and have success with it, but do you relate to any of these people that feel like there's less hype for this MC than than ever before? I mean, I I think that you like if you answer that question, you have to divide these events between the arena events and the paper events because I think that everything they do for these arena events is incredible. Like I'm excited for every arena event. I pay attention. I know what's happening. I know what's going on two weeks ahead of time, et cetera. The paper ones, I don't know when they are. I don't know what's going on for them. I barely, like, I, the only reason I know Richmond's this weekend is because I think, because Andy tweeted he's in Richmond. I was like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess that is happening. <laughs> like, and I think there's this like, like huge divide between those two events. It's like, you know, if you want to talk about me grinding for the players tour, like in reality, the one I want to qualify is for the arena one. Like Isaac Kess last week, he uh, beat me in GP Montreal, beat me to this arena pro tour. <laughs> like I will have my revenge. <laughs> I'm qualifying for one of these. Like, like, cause that's, that's to me, that's the new big fish. Cause I think it's, they've put these two things on completely different echelons. Like the arena ones are so much more exciting to me. Mm. Elliot, Elliot, what do you think? Uh, Is that true for you? Which one would you rather qualify for? I think I would rather qualify for the arena one just because I feel like it's much higher stakes and like there's way less people and it would be more exciting because of that. But I don't necessarily agree that like it's easy to miss the tabletop pro tours because I mean like 
five years ago the set would come out in october and then the pro tour would be in october and the only thing that's changed is now it's like the second week of november instead of the second week of october like they've, they're the same they've always been people just like i don't know pay less attention now which like maybe that's a symptom of the way the pro system has gone but i don't think it's necessarily that the the pro tours themselves are any more or any less forgettable uh like i would consider myself also someone who's very online and that's like a sick brag <laughs> and and so like i i don't i would never expect myself to miss that there's an upcoming pro tour or or mythic championship but i feel like the arena ones are just way more random like i expect all of the paper ones to happen a month and a bit after the release of the set that's how the structure's been for years now but I only found out when we had Isaac on the show last week that the one he qualified for was in December. Oh yeah. I, I was like mega confused that there was just three mythic championships with throne of Eldraine. Cause, cause we're going to have two arena championships just between throne of Eldraine and the next set. And also a tabletop one. And that's like kind of confusing for me because if you just like compare the, the arena mythic champion we just had and the upcoming one, the only reason they're going to be relatively different at all is because Field of the Dead got banned. Otherwise, it would just be, you know, like, let's say we live in a world Field of the Dead never got printed. It would have been Oko Mirrors the last one and Oko Mirrors of the upcoming one. So I think it's super weird that they're doing that. And I don't know if, if that's something we should continue to expect. I don't know if I, if I have the gall to fight the Wizards website for that information anyway. It might not even be out there. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, Elliot. At one point, um, there were just like, I think, four PTs, one of them being Worlds, so that like tennis Grand Slams, you sort of just know when they happen. Like even as a casual tennis fan, I just know the 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 four, the French Open, Wimbledon, U.S. Open, Australian Open. I just know them and and know to expect them. Um, so so good point on that. And that, yeah, it, even. In the in the podcast last week, I caught myself because I, I said that I talked about him playing in his arena championship in 2020 at one point, and I'm like, when he's like, it's in December, I'm like, what? It's already in in a month. So I was pretty shocked as well. Um, John, John, which one would you want to qualify for? John, is he there? Sorry, I didn't quite understand okay. between arena and tabletop. Yeah, I just um. I don't get to play in paper much, even though I like to. I like the social aspect. I like, like, I'm generally way more focused on paper than in uh, grinding and magic online because probably because I'm not distracted with like YouTube and like other videos and all that. So, um, and I also like seeing like new city uh, cities, which, which I guess is the same for arena and uh, paper. But yeah, I just prefer playing with the physical cards, meeting new people, just shaking hands, and just like interacting. Uh, call, call me old school, but uh, yeah. Um, also, I don't, I don't. I've never played stand. Uh, I've never played arena, and I don't like standard that much. So uh, definitely going to be a, a non-standard paper tournament. That paper pro tour that I'd rather go to than arena. Uh, Elliot, are you laughing? Well, I'm smiling when John says that because he's fa he's famous for also saying for like interacting and then killing someone turn zero. Have have a nice day. Bye. <laughs> so yeah, interacting with them after the match. <laughs> Have a nice chat with them as they slam their four sideboard cards back into their deck box and 
put an X on the player yeah. one line because they don't want to write their full name. Yeah, like, yeah. Thanks for interacting with you, Jonathan Zhang. <laughs> um, but I'm, yeah. So there's a lot, a lot going on. Um, Brett, who, any of your friends going uh, outside of Andy that that we know that that's going down and competing in, in Richmond? Uh, actually, I think there's one person from Red Deer who uh, deferred their invite and is now playing Richmond. Okay. Uh, that would be Andrew Huska. I'm. Ooh. That's that's. I'm gonna get roasted for that call out. Like that's. I just put it all on the line for that. But uh, I don't know if anyone else is going from the Alberta area. <laughs> Chantal, are you confirming that? Or <laughs> I believe that's correct. Though I do want to give a shout out. Like the, the roasting girl. part, right? <laughs> I mean, that he's going to Richmond. <laughs> uh, my girl, Allie Warfield, who uh, is a face-to-face writer, I believe. That's yeah, going to yeah. be her her first uh, MC slash PT. So, yeah, I'm going to be rooting her on for sure. Ooh, it's uh, Sean Gifford is the, uh, the, I guess, the calculator, or whatever nickname, again, I want to think of because he loves stats, is, is going down. Um, so that's going to be... Pretty sweet, pretty uh, these people to root on. Um, Chantel, you you mentioned you like those 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 quick segments that they did with uh, I guess f- with all the maybe MPL people that they did those uh, short yeah. clips. I think uh, as the MPL has been rolled out, there's been a real disconnect in uh, relating to these pros and like even knowing who they are. Like if you ask me to name all 32 players in the MPL, I could not. I was like, who is this uh, Jean Dupraz? I don't, that's an MPL player? Okay. Um, but I think segments like this really help to humanize and introduce you to the MPL in a way that we hadn't really seen before since their MPL's creation. What more would you, like, we talk about this a lot on the show for, like, ages, but is there anything more you would like to see to to be able to relate to, to these people or for these people to be able to relate to the to the mass audience more? Well, one thing that we saw a lot of in uh, Grand Prix coverage and even in your paper MC coverage is that real narrative building that you're able to do is you have this underdog story and you're able to cheer for someone as they make their first top eight and you get to really build this story. And I feel like they haven't done a good job of that through the divisions or through the MPL gameplay, which is, I believe, pre-recorded. Um, so I feel like there is an opportunity for more of that as you have these tournaments that matter for these MPL players to make them matter for the audience as well. I, I had spoken with, with BDM that while he was working with them that they had done a, that he had done a piece or something, some good content related to Hayne, Alex, uh, my Alex <laughs> and his uh, battle with depression and stuff. And that, that material, I guess, has yet to see light or will never see light. And I think that's type of content as has been shown by him writing a whole article about it, helped him like people to learn more about his personality, garnered a lot of more fans or fans became more attached to him than, than they were before that piece because it revealed a lot of personality, a lot about, about him. And that's the type of stuff like I would like to see more outside of those clips. I, I mean, I don't know how that they'd have to do it and also not be like boring or or they can't just do like a document style video that no one's going to watch. So, I mean, the, it is a challenge. It is a challenge. 
but I, I, I want to fall in love with these players just like I do with like other other esports or other like I root for UFC fighters because they just trash talk in a funny way <laughs> and that's all the personality I need to be on on one of their teams so yeah, I think as millennials, we really value authenticity. And so having the chance to shine that really genuine light into these players' lives in the way that we were able to see with Haynes' piece, which if anyone's listening and hasn't read it, like you should go read it right now. It's on his Twitter and it's fantastic. Like you are a, you need to be able to connect. You need to be able to empathize and you need to be able to want to root for them. And unfortunately, with the way the MPL was set up, these players have became like the man and you immediately wanted to root for their downfall because they're not the underdogs anymore and that's like a really awkward there's like eat, eat the mpl it's <laughs> really awkward situation that you're putting them in right from the get-go right i'm just glad it's not my job to develop these storylines because <laughs> at this moment in time all i'm thinking is like emulating wrestling and maybe <laughs> maybe like Haynes boy is losing in a match so he runs out on stage and casts like heroes downfall on the guy's creature. I mean they have the pyrotechnics at the arena MCs already. That's all Which, I'm saying. So, I mean, honestly, what I think they should do, and this is this has been done in Dota, this has been done in Hearthstone. They need to have these like more informal but tournaments that still matter. Like I think one of them was called like the Seat Story Cup and some of the other like Epicenter and Dota ran one where it's just like a house. You literally have a house. You invite these people to a house. They play games and you have way more like personal segments between games. You just throw the random people, random pairs of pros into the commentary booth to just get like their voices and personalities out there so that people can actually care about these people because the way it's all structured now, everything's so formal, everything's so behind doors that like, we're so excited about these phone call segments. We're so excited about the cheesy like BDM and and uh, Brad Nelson's house segments because it gives these people like a human touch. I like the fact that there was only I think like five or six of the phone call segments was like criminal. I should never have seen a single one once, more than once. There should have just been right. keep firing new ones in here because again, I'm sure these are somewhat difficult to produce, but they're so much more interesting or so much more impactful than than these like faceless people like that's the that's the route and it's been done in all of the places and it's just like you know come on jump on board like let's do this with magic as well here l let me add something here on, on a related note here i, I agree like a lot uh all of, all of you guys have uh and gals have made a pretty good points about relatability just just to add here i think the reason why one of the reasons why like magic as an esport hasn't really taken off is like in sports when someone makes a great turnaround fadeaway shot, like Kawhi, the Kawhi shot, for example, or a great soccer goal or a save, like you can, a lot of people can just go out to the field and try to emulate that. In Dota or um, LOL, for example, when there's an incredible juke or when there's like a great like initiation of a team fight that gets like five of their uh, the other teammates or you know just like one person soloing all that, people can like talk about it, get hyped about it, and then go on like go on the going like public games and try to emulate that magic is like the barriers to entry is high it's a complicated game for a reason i think you should embrace it not not like dumb it down in my opinion which like they might be doing with arena but the point is like you can't it's hard to relate to magic scenes or magic streams 
just from a gameplay uh, standpoint, you still like even a new player still needs to know the cards and read the cards, whereas a new player can kind of understand, you know, what a big team fight is in Dota, for example, or like a great like uh, comeback in Counter Strike is. So like, if you can't relate to them in a gameplay sense, like you really wanna like we have a lot of good personalities in the mag in the Magic Pro Circle. So just making sure that like you can like at least give some uh, give the fans something to relate to on a personal level, on a human level, rather than just like on a player or a game level like i think that would be very helpful and I, I don't think they've done that yet those like goofy like cheesy like uh phones uh phone uh, segments or stuff like that or even like um you know pack one pick one with the uh, pros at, uh, at pro tours like i really enjoy those and you know i think they should have more of that yeah <clears throat> I, I agree i agree with you john um I mean, I, I the world has to know who the Brett Steele is by by the Pro Tour. It can't be just like some guy that Bosu thinks is the best player in Alberta. Like, <laughs> well, lucky, luckiest. I'm, I'm listen. I'll take both. But <laughs> all I'm saying is, like, if you put me on a stage and there's Pyro, like, I don't know how many times I'm walking through Pyro in my life. I might, I might do a cartwheel through it. I don't know. I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm popping off. That's fun. That's fun. That's entertainment. Bring me more of that. More pyro, more houses, see story cup, let's do it. I think all all thirty-two need like a wrestling song entrance music and their own like own personal touch. Oh, um, each one has signature pyro? Yeah. I mean it wouldn't be it would be terrible, but uh I don't know if I don't know. Maybe thirty two is too many, but like you want a lot of players to be able to play this game professionally, but at the same time you you want someone to be able to follow a lot of them, um, but uh, is there, is there anybody you're rooting for this weekend outside of people you know, Brett, that you're a fan of? Uh, my my evergreen answer is Manguchi. Andre Manguchi has always been one of my favorite content producers, so that one's uh, pretty free. I can't think of anyone else like straight off the top of the head, though. What about you, Chantal? Like like me, it's been a while since I've. I'm like one of those people that, that people say like you usually cheer for a deck or whatever. I, I it's been a while where like if it's no one I know in the top eight that I can just be like, Yeah, let's go this random guy. <laughs> I mean, I do love an underdog story, but I think for me, I was really moved uh by Li Shi Chen's story in the last MC mm -hmm. and the struggles that he's been dealing with at home. And so that's who I'm personally of the pros going to be cheering for, uh, as well as like Jess Estefan and Autumn Burchett, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Elliot? Uh, I have no room to cheer for for pros because I mean, first place is Andy. Second place, obviously, Sean Dollywall. Uh, <laughs> and like, d does anyone really care who gets third and fourth at that point? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'll throw a bone at Gucci. I love his content, so. All my energy is going towards those two. Uh, John, is is your favorite is, is that is Getchel going? Yeah, uh, Golducat, right? Uh, he's part of the Canadian uh, testing house. I know, I know quite a few people there. And Sean and Andy's uh, maybe Daniel's not there, but like they're they're in the same chat with um, my boy Nam from Vancouver as well, as well as a few uh, very good Canadian players. So rooting for rooting for those guys really. Yeah, Nam, Nam was a good guest. Um, seemed like a nice guy. He was a chill guy. 
had a nice chat with him. Yeah, he's he, he's a good kid. He's very promising. I I think one of the better players, the young players in Vancouver, and uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, he's doing well. Sounds like like he hasn't been around forever. Sounds like he's he's been on on face face games top eight for a while now. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how experienced he is, but yeah, he certainly does farm the local scene and even the online trophy board at times. How often does he farm Warren Smith? Probably like 90% of the time. <laughs> Warren's very easy to farm. Sorry, Warren. <laughs> All right, um, we're going to wrap this up. Brett, any any streams, anything, any upcoming content that you're looking to create and, and put out there? Uh, Twitter and stream, man. At uh, Beastie on Twitter, B-S-T-E-E. And then... Uh, the same, basically the same for for Twitch. I I have been trying to stream a little bit more consistently again, and Reading Week is coming up, so I'm just gonna go full monster for for five days and figure it out from there. Sweet, sweet Chantal, what what can we look forward for you from you? Oh, uh, always a lot. Uh, I have a podcast, Proven Combatants, uh, that talks about magic from a prim- primarily a woman and non-binary point of view. Uh, that you can check out at provencombatants.com. And uh, my articles are coming out on cardkingdom.com every every once in a while. And eventually a stream. Uh, my Twitter and stream are C-T-E-L-L-E Campbell. That's enough. <laughs> That's enough stuff. <laughs> All right. John, John, are you done with well, those videos yet? <laughs> a lot of people have been asking for it. I think my mocks, uh, <laughs> for those who don't know, I played the mocks prelim with Neoform. I'm not going to spoil my uh, record, but... <laughs> It has some really good matchups, and I'm o- I'm over half done. And OBS started crashing on me, and yeah, uh, OBS is a bad matchup for me. I gotta I gotta restart and try to re- reinstall or something. But I'm hoping I can get it done tomorrow because like quite a few people have asked me, uh, including uh, Sodek. I-, I actually played Sodek in a very interesting match, so expect to see my Neoform walk through this week. <laughs> All right, um, Elliot. Elliot finishes off. Um, I kind of don't have anything other than the WPNQ final on Sunday. So I'm going to be like, basically as soon as the deck lists get posted on Friday, I'm going to be milling through them, finding out who's doing well. And then, uh, hopefully lock in my 75, I don't know, 30 minutes before the the event starts, if, if I'm being ambitious. So right. let's be honest, I'm playing Saltai. All right. All right. And and that's that's it for me. Um, next week, hopefully, we have I don't know we get some someone who top eights Richmond, or, or hopefully we get the champion and the and the and the finalists if they happen to be Andy, exactly Andy and Sean Dollywall. We'll get those two for sure. And uh, you know, good luck to everyone. And yeah, that's it for us. Thank you once again, Brett Chantal. Thanks for coming back on the show. And uh, we'll talk to you all real soon. Good night, everyone.